everyone, and welcome to the NCR Radio Show. I am Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Agapi Stasinopoulos, the author of a fascinating new book, Unbinding the Heart, A Dose of Greek Wisdom, Generosity, and Unconditional Love. Agapi was born in Greece and moved to England to study acting, and then moved to the U.S., where she later got a master's degree in spiritual psychology. Today, she leads inspirational workshops around the world, acts, writes, and produces plays and documentaries about Greek goddesses, and is a regular blogger for the Huffington Post, founded by her sister, Ariana. Welcome, Agapi. Oh, Miriam, what a lovely introduction. And you have such a beautiful voice. It's, um, It's so dynamic. (laughs) Thank you. And I loved your book. You know, it makes one a bit jealous of the joy for life that seems to be part of the Greek culture. Do you you think you would have written this book if you had been English? (laughs) It it, it would have been a little thinner. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's so funny because um, the, the girl that I have that we work together on social media and everything, we were saying to her, the other day, I write these very long emails that say, much love and hugs and light and be well. And it's like they're all very flowery and warm, and I'm trying to put the exuberance through my emails. And I said, I hope they're not going to say, oh, she's so Greek and exuberant. Let's <laughs> change her style to make it English and say, sincerely yours, Agathe. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was educated in London, and um, it was a stretch because I remember meeting people. I was 17, and of course, wanting to kiss twice. You know, Greeks go mm-hmm. left and right, mm-hmm. and people would go. They pull back, like, "What is she doing?" You know. <laughs> and and I remember just being really taken aback by the incredible way that they are contained and reserved, and uh, you realize that they're warm inside, but it doesn't come out. You know. And well, so. I- it's such uh, a different know. culture, such a different culture. But the weather, Miriam, the weather. I mean, if you're brought up with gray every day, it doesn't make you want to, makes you want to bundle up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Well, actually, I, uh, I lived in London for 13 years. And really? so uh, when, when I moved to Portland, Oregon, I felt there was no difference at all. I felt right at home. Yes, yes, well, exactly. There's, a, there's the same. So it's the sun and... Um, that's um, the Mediterranean climate. It makes you want to come out and share and uh, um, and be more more expressive. And uh, so that's I think um, we're trying to bring that that spirit and that culture back to here. I think I think we need that back in the world. Um, it, it's such a, a cold and and dissociated world. And uh, it's the new consciousness is part of coming back into community, don't you think? Exactly, into community and into realizing that um, we are part of one um, one tribe, the human tribe, you know, mm-hmm. and that that I think we need to bridge those gaps and any way we can. You know, we don't have to go to Africa to all save, you know, the cause of AIDS or you know, human poverty, or but we can just reach out to each other, and that's the whole message of the book, Unbinding the Heart. It's really, how do you unbind? You just reach out. You, you reach out to your bank teller when you are getting the money. You reach out to your union in the bus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You reach out to the supermarket. You reach out. You connect. And uh, that's what we've lost with technology and with the busyness and the rushing to the next thing and the next thing. And... Uh, I think if we lose that connection, uh, our lives feel disconnected and amiss. The whole book is about connection. It's how do you connect with yourself, and how do you connect with your spirit, and how do you connect with your fellow human beings? Because ultimately, I think there's nothing more fulfilling than connecting. Am I right? Oh, totally right. And and, and how do we give people tools to connect? Yeah. Your mother was... An amazing human being, and clearly a big influence on her, uh, on you. Yes. Uh, she, she was like a real Demeter you're in, uh, amongst your goddesses. Yes. Give, give our listeners a sense of who she was. Yes, my mother, uh, was, her name was Ellie, and she, was, um, she fought uh, in the Red Cross in the Second World War. 
she was raised in northern Greece and then lived in Athens with me and Ariana, where she met and married my father. And basically, her spirit was so um, indomitable and so filled with the overcoming adversity. She had the adversities of, you know, the, the age of living in a country that did not really support women to be independent, married to a man who she loved, but ended up being uh, having affairs, which was more of the Zeus typical way, you know. Men just sometimes do that and think it's the right. Um, and, uh, and she became ruthless about taking me and Ariana and giving us an education of the mind and of the soul and of the, the ethics of life that said, be fearless, be who you are, own your gift. And she did so many, many things. And these are 32 stories that I have in the Unbinding the Heart book, in my book, that I talk about what she instilled in us. Anything from, um, there's a chapter that I love uh, called, there is always a solution, and being little girls on our way out to the theater when she locked herself out of the apartment because she forgot a handbag in the apartment, and we panicked. And she said, no panic, we're just still going to go to the theater, have dinner, and have a good time. And you say, how on earth is she going to do that? And she went and borrowed money from the super and went to the theater and said, you know, we have our tickets, but I, I lost my bag, you know, I left my bag in the apartment, and we want to still see the play and they got a scene and we had a nice dinner and then uh, the uh, fireman was across the street from us. He got the fireman to, you know, open the window. Of course, we were living on the third floor, <laughs> which made it easier to mm -hmm. get a scene back. But it was like giving the message, don't panic, have a good time no matter what, and, and restoring the sort of trust that there is help in the universe. Mm -hmm. And what made her... Do, to be like that, I think it's because, you know, when you fight the Second World War and the Germans and this horrific time of uh, the, the soldiers, and, and she, I have an incident of where she actually told the German soldiers to put their guns down because they were Red Cross, and she said to me, when you look at three machine guns in the face, in the, you know, straight on, and the machine guns come down because you told them so, you're never afraid anymore of life or of mm -hmm. things that happen. And I think we live in an age of where there is, the, I call it the tyranny of fear and the tyranny of doubt. And it's like it's time to, and that's what the whole unbinding is. It's like you've got to get yourself out of the bootstraps and say, what binds me? What, what am I holding back? What am I afraid of? And where can I express my, my love, my, my, my courage, and uh, my humanity? So she did many things, Miriam. I mean, she did that. She uh, had a vision for me and Ariana to go to the best schools. And, and uh, you know, there she was in Athens with not, I mean, she had brothers who had more money, but she was struggling with money, and we were not rich by any means. We were living, you know, in a small little apartment. And she just said, okay, Ariana is going to go to Cambridge, and Agape is going to go to Rada. And she just sort of made these things happen uh, out of her vision that she found the ways. And I really want to inspire your listeners and the readers of the book with this message that if you ask and if you trust and if you don't allow yourself to get discouraged, there is nothing that you cannot achieve. Uh, if you want to get from A to B, if you want to get to that college, if you want to get to that job, if you want to create with perseverance, with tenacity, with vision, with asking and with just holding for yourself in the, in, in the direction you're going, you're going to get there. And it is statistics. It's like if you want it, if you want it big enough. Mm -hmm. and, and it is this strengthening and this confidence and, uh, of, that helps you from inside to find, you know, your spark in life. So these are the things that she taught us. And it's just, as I said, it's many stories, 32 stories of uh, how to find that spirit inside that, is, that rises, that strength, that uh, consciousness, you know, it's a call to consciousness. And um, we don't have to place more. We are we're these mighty beings and we can rise to that occasion. And, and part of the greatest thing that my mother did, and it's a great key, is she, she was really a woman of service. 
I mean, she served people by her, by her joy, by offering, whether it was food or whether it was advice or whether it was somebody needed something. She would open doors for people. Mm-hmm. And the greatest way to empowerment is to really help other people because then you realize that you can. Yes, yes. And yet with um, such a, a, a fabulous example before you, you were still prey to all of the doubts and frailties of the human condition. Um, your parents had a painful divorce, and that kind of threw you into questioning your, your, your own worth, didn't it? Well, I think it, it, um, I had a, a utopian, idealistic um, uh, vision of the world. I thought, and, they, and, and then they lived happily ever after. <laughs> and I thought, why aren't my parents happily ever after? You know, and I think what I again say in the book is that I discovered there are no happily ever after, that really life is about, you know, the grist for the mill. It's like you just have to, you know, you work it through. It's about evolving and, and growing. And if these things don't happen to us, then, uh, uh, you know, what are we here to do? I mean, we're not here to really, I don't believe we're here to live comfortably ever after. We're here to grow and to learn. And these mm-hmm. experiences are, are, you know, they are like sandpapering. And, uh, Yes, my experiences were because, you know, coming from drama school, which is the best drama school in the world, and the Royal Academy not being able to get the parts and feeling uh, rejected and uh, not finding a place where I did fit in, I had to really find and backtrack and find what was my calling, what was the thing I was here to do. And that journey, um, it was often difficult and and, uh, and struggling and uh, and unknown and I call it like I was on wobbly ground I didn't have my footing and that's what why I wrote the book because when I looked back I had traversed I had taken the journey I had taken the steps I had um, not succumbed to my inner struggles and to the outer struggles I had just persevered I think partly because my mother's spirit and her and her courage and her inspiration and her cheerleading me on inside and out uh, really helped me overcome. And then I looked back and I said, "Oh my God! Look how I found my path. How I I was lost and I found myself. And look at all the things I did to get there. And now I'm going to put this in stories and say, if I did it, so can you. Mm-hmm. And that was my motivation because." Uh, I overcame those voices inside of me. And, you know, they still come up, but they don't plague me now. I don't, I, I, I won't allow myself the luxury when doubt or fear comes. I, I'm ruthless with myself. I go, who, who, is, who is speaking in there? Who is saying that? And I, I just, literally, I call it, you know, you get back on the horse. My father used to say you hold the horse by the mane. And you ride your, your you become a master of yourself, of your lower self. And that's what consciousness is. You, you start to master the negative voices. You start to master the lower emotions that pull you down. And you bring your higher, your higher nature, the better nature of yourself. And uh, I think every human being, if you ask them, have they ever done that? Mostly people will say yes, they have an experience of that. So I say, well, take that and amplify it and make it bigger, make it an everyday habit. And it's a habit, you know. Overcoming yourself is a habit. (laughs) We are discussing the delightful and illuminating memoir Unbinding the Heart with our guest Agapi Stasinopoulos. If you'd like to ask a question of Agapi, the number to call is 1-877-230-3062. Agapi, you say in your book that everyone is born with an open heart, but that we quickly learn to put conditions on our happiness. Why do you think we do that? Well, if you look at a baby, Miriam, you know, don't you feel they're open with an open heart? I mean, which baby has any beliefs or any layers over them? I mean, every baby you see, you say, look at this 
sweet, open, and sensitive, and, and, and this soul. You know, they might cry a lot, but remember, there's a vulnerability and, a, and an openness. It's the soul of each. When we come here, we have this soul and we have this openness. And then little by little, we, you know, grow and we put our conditions, our beliefs. People say no to us. We shut off. We have free energy and we want to explore and people put, you know, chains on us or we start to educate ourselves and sometimes we're good at it, sometimes we're not. We start to compare ourselves. We start to feel all the Pandora's box emerges, you know, the jealousies, the doubts, the insecurities, the addictions also that people deal with, the rejections, the everything. But at the same time, all the other good stuff happens too. We we grow, we learn, we become educated, we start to learn about the world, uh, and we start to learn about ourselves. And so because we don't feel safe, we start to shut off uh, our true expression of love. And uh, it takes courage to kind of backtrack uh, because we feel now we should be something else than uh, um, then it's open hearts that we have, and we start to, and we start to put layers over ourselves. And I think uh, the whole message of unbinding the heart is how do we unlayer, how do we put these layers away, how do we get back to, when I wrote the book, I wrote it from a very naked place, from a place that said, this is who I am, this is the girl of who I am, mm-hmm. and this is my story. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, I was, um, you know, taken off the layers. I always say that we have this person that we show off in the world, that we show up as, and then we have the inner set. That life really happens inside ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because we, we, are, we are inner beings. We, we have an inner life, whether we have or we don't. Life happens inside ourselves. What happens outside is much smaller to what really happens inside. And if you start to take that thread of what happens inside, then it's really remarkable because uh, you realize that that can lead you to yourself, to your heart, and to your soul. And that really that journey of of taking that inner journey and and seeing um, sometimes you have to forgive yourself, sometimes you have to cry tears out, sometimes you have sadness, sometimes you have pain, sometimes you have disappointment, but all these are part of the human emotions, and as you go through them, on the other side, I feel, and I know from my experience, that there is liberation, there is openness, and uh, there is the spirit in us is right there. I'm curious, Agape, you, when you came to the States, you went into the glamorous world of Hollywood and uh, the entertainment business. What made you seek the spiritual path? I was in pain. (laughs) (laughs) I used to feel lonely. I used to feel, oh, my God, this is empty and lonely and, and feel this angst of life. I call it my angst. I felt... I started to do yoga. I started to do a lot of yoga. My mother taught me yoga when I was 12 and meditate. And uh, yoga, you know, is very powerful because it opens your kundalini. And it mm-hmm. opens your kundalini. I don't know if people, your listeners know that, but it's the, the energy that's located in the lower spine, in the very bottom of the spine. And that energy opens up as the spirit starts to feel you. So I started to open up the spirit in my body through doing three hours of yoga every day. And I literally had an awakening experience where I felt the connection to the divine. And, uh, but I wanted it because I feel that I wanted that and I didn't know what to call it as much as I wanted my next breath. Hmm. You know, because I was so unhappy. I felt that, but it was like, it's almost like a God or whatever you want to call it, the universe or God or that consciousness was saying, we're not going to give you what you want because that's not what you really want. What you want is your soul and you and your spirit. And so I had to go after it 
because what I thought I wanted, which was the acting jobs. And, and I'm not saying that you can't have both, but mm. if you want something and you are so attached to it, um, it, it's a great blessing not to get it. Because then you, then you go, and that's part of the message of the book as well. The things that did not happen to me that I thought I wanted, the, you know, the career of acting. I mean, I got other things that I really ended up writing. I ended up performing. I ended up doing things I really loved. Um, the man I wanted. And I said, oh, I have to marry him or else. I mean, when I look back, I said, oh, my God, thank God I didn't marry him. <laughs> Isn't that the case, usually? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. Well, on that note, we're going to take a short break, and then we'll continue our fascinating chat with Agapi Stasinopoulos. And if you want to get ready to call in, our number is one 230 Do you review? Reviewers are the cornerstone of New Consciousness Review, and we are always looking for enthusiastic readers to join our team. You get first peek at leading-edge books and build your library in the process. Reviews don't have to be long, just your honest opinion, and you'll be providing an important service to the community. So if you're interested, email us at reviews at ncreview.com. just joined us. You're listening to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and we're speaking with Agapi Stasinopoulos, discussing her book, Unbinding the Heart. If you'd like to call in with a question, the number to call is 1-877-230-3062. Agapi, I really, really loved your chapter about taking care of your capital. Mm. Tell our listeners what you mean by that. My mother had this expression. She was really a passionate fanatic, I would say, almost, about taking care of yourself. So it would be like, don't deplete yourself, eat well, sleep well, um, do the things that make you happy, spend time with people you, you love and enjoy, do the things you enjoy. Because um, she was very big about not multitasking, you know, not being eating and being on the phone or doing two things at the same time, being on a BlackBerry, not at the time we didn't have Blackberries, but being on the phone. So she used to call that take care of your capital. If she saw you kind of depleting yourself and not taking care of yourself, she would say you're not taking care of your capital. And capital usually we think is the money we have in the bank. But for her it really was more about um, the money is not the capital, the, the capital is you. Mm-hmm. You know, and how you take care of yourself is um, how you uh, enhance your life. You know, capital meaning that it's all parts of yourself, of how you can possibly really look after yourself. Well, so many people are really disconnected from their, themselves. And in fact, you have an interesting chapter in your book where you talk about this feeling of dissociation yeah. and how you actually reconnected with what I suppose is your inner child. Oh, yes. Well, you know, um, you know, I, let's say inner child, you know, has got such a bad rap, Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of like, oh, the new age woo-woo in a child, okay? And um, it's not like that. It's more like there's young, there's young parts in us. And the young parts in us are the parts that uh, we were as a child, and uh, then we grew up as an adult, but that part is still there, kind of unattended. And what I talk about is that <laughs> as you connect with that part, we can actually help mature it and bring it to consciousness. And I think that it's, it's actually that is completely, uh, it's, it's really completely, um, I think, 
a, a big responsibility in ourselves to really um, take care of ourselves in that way. Yeah, it's part and parcel. You know, yeah. And you agree with that? You know, I want to make sure that the listeners really get that I, I realized that I used to walk, that was many, many years ago, I used to walk around with a pit in my stomach. Like I would go, you know, raise money and do these projects and be, you know, have this big adult um, life of um, producing things. And, and there was this girl in me that was hurting because old hurts knew her. She was not expressing herself. And she didn't have a place where she felt safe. And through my work with University of Santa Monica, which is the, the course that I did in Los Angeles, which is spiritual psychology, I got very much in touch with that. That part was very real, and it had locked in pain. And it felt really kind of like an orphan. And then I, I went there, and I saw her. I saw that part had just kind of gone into a room and closed the door because nobody was paying attention to her. And then as I brought her out, and I loved her, and I brought my love, that's what consciousness is, is the application of love to those parts that hurt. That is the healing. That is the love. The love is real. And you go and say, but I'm here for you. And then you raise that part to consciousness. And, and then you start to take that part with you wherever you go. And it's, a, it's the most beautiful thing. It's, you know this whole thing, love yourself, love yourself. Well, what does it mean to love yourself? How do you love yourself? You love yourself by listening to yourself. I mean, that part says, I'm upset, I'm hurting. You go, well, I don't know what to do with you. I'm, I'm, I have a life, you know, I'm busy. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know, I have some, I, look at this, I have all these things to do. I'm raising kids, I have a husband. But that's, those parts need to be expressed. Either I say find a place or find a friend that you feel safe and you express that. It doesn't mean it's all of you, but you have some distance to that. And, um, and that's what makes a great parent. That's what she was amazing about my mother. My mother always, if you said, oh, well, you know, I'm upset about so-and-so and I'm upset about this, she'd say, well, let's, you know, we'll talk everything over a meal. You know, my mother was all about food. <laughs> and, um, and we would really, you know, um, that, that became just like a very big part of our lives. Yeah. yeah. You know. Where do you feel most at home? Well, that, that, that reminds me of another chapter that I have in the book called The Portable Paradise, mm-hmm. where you are... I really taught myself... I mean, I love Los Angeles, and I live there, and, uh, and I, right now I'm talking to you from our apartment in New York. It's a sunny day. I'm at beautiful loft overlooking the, uh, the, the freedom uh, buildings that are being built. Um, and uh, overlooking in Manhattan and a beautiful skylight. But um, I feel that I really, I mean, I love being in Greece. The cover of the book is Santorini, which is this beautiful vista, you know, of uh, how can you not feel at home watching the Mediterranean, right? Sure, yeah, particularly with the little white buildings down there. Yes, and, um, uh, and the Greek men offering you, hors d'oeuvres and but I feel mostly um you know making my home wherever I am I mean I think that's that's the art of it all it's called the portable paradise or where you just find solace in yourself and uh, you you embrace yourself inside yourself and you feel your goodness and you feel compassion for yourself and understanding that you know, we're in the human process going what we're going through. And, um, and then you, you know, you make yourself at home. Uh, because home, it, it, a physical location is fine. But, I mean, I've never felt anywhere where I go, this is heaven. You know, like there's always something, you know, a place. You never have a place that is completely perfect. So, um we do little things for ourselves to make ourselves feel more at home. Well, that, that's a, a lovely concept, the portable paradise. You, you, your last chapter is called Coming Home to Ithaca. And it, it, it is a, um, a mythical place, but uh, is, is that what you mean by, by that um, 
port well, in your heart. Well, there is a beautiful poem by Cavafy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in the poem he says um, uh, that the journey is where we really thrive. That when you arrive in Ithaca, so wise if you become of such experience that you should have understood what these Ithacas are all about. And it's really when... And Ithaca is this beautiful poem that I recommend and I to the listeners to really read it. It's in the back of the book. And as you read it, um, you get very lifted about to enjoy life but and to have everything you can and you want. And to, but it's really the journey because when you arrive there, you say, well, I did all that. And, and this is what, you know, my book is about. It's like all these experiences that I've had made, made this and I'm still making it into a beautiful journey that's enriched my life. Mm-hmm. And it's like life is not a linear process. You know, you say, I'll go from A to B, I'll, I'll finish high school, I'll go to college, i get a job, i get married. It's not an A to B to C because it's not the alphabet. It's really, it, it's, it's a create, life is a creative process. And I think that's also what my mother really told me, you know, taught us. Yes, and, and as you say, it, it's the journey to many of us forget to live life while we're looking at the destination somewhere in the future. Exactly. And one day, my life will be perfect, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. Or my, one day, I have no stress, or one day, I'll be really happy. I mean, people do that, right? Of course, yeah. One day, but then one day, it's like you're later, you're in your laters, and you go, well, that day isn't coming unless I make it happen now. The power of now. But also, you know what is really interesting? It's a great phrase my mother used to say. You can't be grateful and unhappy at the same time. Aha. Uh-huh. I'm going to say this one more time. You yes. can't be grateful and unhappy. If anybody's listening and they say they're unhappy, move right into gratitude. My mother used to have this wonderful phrase that said, change the channel. And change the channel meant if you are unhappy, change the channel to gratitude. If you're watching a reality show that's called The Fear Factor and you don't like it, just play the golf channel. We have the remote. We are the ones who can change. Don't you love that phrase? I, I do. Okay. You, you brought so many phrases into the book that I just lit up with. So many quotes. Yes. Change the channel. And the change the channel is very powerful because if you change the channel and you have the remote, you find out that you are responsible for how you feel and, you, and gratitude. Well, I mean, to be grateful for our own breath, for our own life, or for being alive. I mean, if anybody has seen somebody die, you know it's terminal. They're gone. Mm-hmm. And to be, just be grateful for this moment. For, I mean, we have so many things to be grateful for, especially in this country, with all the, you know, especially st- still with everything that's going on um, and the difficulties and the financial difficulties and the economy, there is still a lot to be grateful for because there are opportunities. Uh, of course. Speaking of the economy, what do you think of the economic situation in Greece? Do you think that that's inevitable? It's sad. It's very sad. Yeah. They, they, what's happening to Greece is very sad, and I don't think it's... I mean, I think everybody has their part to play in it. I don't think it's just Greece. I think it's the whole economy of um, the euro and the, Europe, and the European economy. I mean, it's, I think it's part of everything, and Greece obviously did not do their part best. But I think there, is, uh, there are many players into the issue of Greece. It's not just uh, the Greeks, I think. Um, I think mismanagement and uh, and corruption too, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's very sad to see the country suffer and the people suffer so much. Yeah. Well, I, I'm wondering whether they are not playing a seminal role in highlighting for the world. Yes the imbalances within the global economic situation and, and forcing us to come to terms and, and to change what we've considered business as usual. Yes, and also, you know, there is, a, I think the whole globe is playing this, um, the price of greed and the price of uh, I'll take care of me and then I'll take care a little more of me, you know, and it's sort of like not really looking 
I mean, again, call to consciousness is where you look the collective. Mm-hmm. There's been so much of um, um, mismanagement about not just the money, but the way we we treat consciousness and human consciousness. And instead of seeing a collective that we're all a part of it, there's been a lot more about we'll take care of us, um, my little corner, my little ten acres, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of the people who are on top are very responsible, I think, especially in this country, as you know, of um, really mismanaging. Uh, there's just a really, it's just like you feel like sometimes people live in the dark ages of how they're acting. And I think that's a, the perfect term, the, the dark ages. And, and what books like yours are doing are shining light into these corners and having people reflect and re-examine their ways of living, ways of exactly. doing business, ways of thinking. Exactly, exactly. Uh, you, you conduct workshops uh, in these areas. Tell us about them. Well, I, I do workshops. Um, I, that you, I used to do a lot of workshops on gods and goddesses, but now I'm doing a lot, I'm going to be doing a lot of um, workshops called the Masterclass of Your Heart. Um, it's called a Heart Masterclass, which is really about finding the power of the unbound heart. And um, this is going to be happening, and people can read it on my website, which is uh, www.unbindingtheheart.com, and I have a beautiful meditation there that is... Um, uh, come into the presence of your heart. And um, it's a meditation that really helps people relax and come more into their presence. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be posting all the workshops that I'm doing and also asking people to tell me their story because I think everybody has a story and the way we unbind and the way we open up ourselves is by listening to each other's stories and making ourselves Listening is a big key to unbinding the heart. And uh, I encourage people to, you know, tell me the story, send me an email at agapi at unbindingtheheart.com, which is my email. Uh, look at the site and, uh, of course, order the book to be inspired. <laughs> and you can order the book directly from our website at ncreview.com. Oh, that's wonderful. There will oh, be links from our interview, links from our review. Oh, that's wonderful. We've got you covered, Agapi. We've got, you got me covered. You got my, my, my heart, not my back. <laughs> <laughs> you got my heart. Well, I um, just love it's, your show. It's, it's interesting when you talk about the use of story to unbind your heart because so many of us are so closed in and reserved, particularly people from England. Um, but the, the, the Greek tradition really is one of storytelling, isn't it? Completely. Completely. I mean, the Greek people are, you know, the gods and goddesses and also anything to do with, um, mythology and just storytelling has been such a big part of, uh, um, you know, of the Greek, of Greek life. So I think, um, it's important to really tell the story. Even people say, oh, I don't have a story. My story's dull or anything. But that's not true. I think everybody, don't you think? Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. Absolutely. Even, and, and, and it's and not as if you start saying it, that you go, oh, my God, yes, I do have a story. I mean, I didn't know I had so much to say till I started to say it. <laughs> Um, you were using the stories of the goddesses as a vehicle for uh, conveying wisdom into the modern idiom. Tell us, tell us about um, what you were doing, and, and do you have any new theater projects in the wings? Well, I'm going to um, do my this book into a one-woman show. It's going to take a little while, but I'm going to do this. Um, I've developed this into, because this is really my love and my heart. Um, but um, the goddesses and my other books are also on the on the Amazon uh, that people can buy. Conversations with the goddesses uh, was really about the psyche of women and how we all have the different archetypes. And I studied that in psychology, and then I wrote all about it. 
And then I wrote about the gods. And it was really about how important it is to realize that our psyche has incredible ways of uh, showing us who we are uh, in uh, our patterns. You know, it's like archetypal patterns of mm-hmm. how we, we are. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is a time when the <clears throat> excuse me, male and female archetypes are blending? I think uh, I think that the archetypes um, are not so much blending as much as the feminine archetype is really rising uh, more. And I think uh, women are becoming more confident and take, finding their voice. And um, I have a whole chapter in the book about how I found my voice and through the goddesses. And when I thought I had nothing to say, it's like uh, the archetypes in me kind of helped me. I opened up the the door and the dump opened and I was able to really release a lot of my creative energy. And I think that's part of the the key, you know, releasing your creativity and your energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, and that goes back to your title, Unbinding the Heart, because if your heart is closed, you don't have anything to give. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Or you give from a very empty, superficial place, you know. Yeah. That also. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yes. <laughs> what else shall we talk about? Well, I I want to go back to your mother. I, I found the the story of her passing so very touching. Yes. Yes. Uh, I don't want to give it away. I want the readers right. to read it. But, yes. Um, what would you say was the greatest gift that your mother gave you? Um, you know, I think, uh, I think the, her joy of life, that in the midst of adversities and in the Oh, my God, she used to say this other thing. I just remembered it. Darling, don't miss the chance. And, and that was so beautiful because, you know, we go through life kind of half asleep and without connecting. And, and my mother, let's say she was looking for an apartment and she will uh, connect with a real estate person and the real estate person they will take to, uh, to see this apartment. And she'll end up connecting with the people who own the apartment. And the next thing, she'll be sitting there and the people were offering her tea. And the real estate woman would say, but Mrs. Stasinopoulos, we have another appointment. And she says, it doesn't matter. I am having a connection with these lovely people. And she mm-hmm. wasn't, she was not run by the clock. Like, I mean, you know, she didn't obviously have a nine to five job, but she didn't let herself miss the moment of connection. And, uh, and, and that, that's such a big message because we go on automatic and then we miss life. So she mm-hmm. taught me about the, the, really the joy of the moment, you know, the power of the moment. And that's why her um, last chapter is called Don't Miss the Moment. Yes, yes. Because that was her message, you know. We, we, we don't allow ourselves to become alive in the moment uh, because we have an agenda. I have a chapter in the book where have no hidden agendas. We have these agendas that actually say, I need to, to have something to get something. And she really didn't have an agenda. Her agenda was life. Yeah. Uh-huh. Her, her, her agenda. She had a big agenda. It's a big agenda. It's called my life. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but I now, I'm so glad I remember that. Don't miss the chance, darling. Don't miss the chance. Go, yeah. you, you go somewhere to an interview and says, don't miss the chance. Have a good time. And uh, it wasn't, oh, I have to go there and get that or I have to go there. And she had this, it was like, you know, it's kind of larger than life. I think she just, and as I said, I don't present her as a saint because she was not a saint. and She was a very volatile woman. She had very strong opinions, what she liked, what she didn't like. You remember that chapter when she says, you're not, you're pretty, you're not beautiful? Yeah, uh-huh. Was that devastating to you? No, not devastating. No, nothing was, no, no, devastating. It just, it was embarrassing. <laughs> she turned to my friend, to, I was, she was not my friend. She was this French snob. And she said, you're pretty, but you're not a beautiful. I would not give you beautiful. <laughs> beautiful is another quality that you do not have. I mean, she just told people how it is. It's like, don't come here with your French 
snobbish attitude, you know, pretending you're you're better than than us or anybody. She wouldn't take that. <laughs> I just love that. So, you know, the other thing, Miriam, is that how many of us really run our lives because of, of people's opinions? We want to be liked. We want to fit in. We want to not disapprove. We don't want to rock the boat. My mother didn't care about rocking the boat. You know, yeah. she said, rock the boat. You know, like she was upset. She would say, she would, it would thunder and lightning storm. She would just, Ariana and I say, oh, don't go near mom. She's furious about something. She wasn't nice. My mother was, there was one thing you wouldn't say to my mom about my mother, that she was very nice. You know, there was nothing nice about her. I mean, (laughs) nice, what I mean is like, she was alive. She was full. She was charming. She was. You know, full of energy and full of creativity, and but if she wasn't fine, she wasn't fine. She would say, "I'm a mad, I'm upset." I'm, you know, she had a lot of emotional life, mm-hmm. and she lived it to the fullest. And and she passed that on to both you and Ariana. I mean, yeah. uh, the, what uh, what Ariana has done with the Huffington Post is quite amazing. I mean, she's been a voice that will not be silenced. Exactly. And allowed so many people a voice. Yeah. Yeah. And because you Because she allowed her your, her voice, you know. Yeah. You blog for the 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 Huffington I do. Post as well. I what have, what do you write about? I write about human behavior, human consciousness. I have a a blog that I just did called Put Yourself on the To-Do List. I did a blog about hurt feelings that was so popular. Um, you know, about how we have to voice our hurt feelings. I did a blog about loneliness. I did a blog about offering, the power of offering. I do things that are very real to me, you know, a blog mm-hmm. from things that I resonate so that other people can resonate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, you're going to tell us again what your website is. Uh, because I, I found a number of websites for you. You have the seven goddesses dot com. Oh yes, yes, that's an old. I mean, that's about oh my goddess. I mean, people can go in and find about the goddess. But my new website is unbindingtheheart.com. dot com, mm-hmm. and that's a beautiful website. And they can download the guided meditation. Um, they can look at our workshops and um, doing Ariana and I on the fifteenth of February. Um, in New York, because you're in Seattle, right, Miriam? Portland. Portland. Oh, you're in Portland. Okay. Um, oh, I love Portland. Where in Portland are you, by the way? Um, in Southwest, near okay. Noma Village. Yeah. Well, um, you know, basically, my website is really a place where people can go and find out more about me and the things that I'm doing. I'm posting. All my all my blogs are there too that people can read my poems and right. everything. That's terrific. Well, I I've just so enjoyed our talk today, Agapi. It's a a message that we all need to take to heart to unbind our heart and to live the joy uh, without fear to to just get rid of that fear. So, yes, and would you allow me to read one little passage of the book? Oh, uh, we have about half a minute. Oh, half a minute. Okay, next time we'll do it. Next then. time. Next time. But uh, if people go, people go into the um, actually into my website. I read the whole preface. Great. Out, so they can listen to it there. So thank you again. We've been speaking with Agapi Stasinopoulos about her book Unbinding the Heart, and remember, her website is unbindingtheheart.com. Next week on Valentine's Day, our guest will be Arielle Ford, and in the spirit of the day, we'll be talking about her new book, Wabi Sabi Love. And you might think it's about spicing up your love life, but it's actually about the art of finding perfection and beauty within those annoying little traits of your partner. So please join us next week, and Agapi, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Miriam. I so appreciate it. 
And now it's time for our track of the week, selected by Scott Johnson, from among members of the Positive Music Association. With styles ranging from pop and rock to folk and jazz, this growing group of musicians is using music not only to entertain, but to make a positive difference in people's lives and in the world. This week we're featuring a song called For the Light by Dana Agnolini from Fredericksburg, Virginia. Narrow and the nights are long. Where you gonna be when all you've got is song? Where you gonna be when your house of cards just falls apart? Will you be standing in your head or in your heart? Are you gonna run? Are you gonna hide? Or will you be there to stand up in the night? Loud and clear Some choose to pay attention Some don't hear Everybody knows that the time has come To make a choice It's time to stand up now It's time to hear your voice Are you gonna run? Are you gonna hide? Or will you be there To stand up in the night? Will you need the call? Will you stand up in the darkness for the light? Something's changed. It's real rage. Oh, it's strange, strange, strange. Strange, strange, strange. For the Light by Dana Agnolini. A singer-songwriter, motivational speaker, and author, Dana is committed to creating a peaceful world through personal transformation. You can visit his website at danaagnolini.com. That's D-A-N-A-A-G-N-E-L-L-I-N-I dot com. For more great music or to join the PMA, go to positivemusicassociation.com. Well, that wraps up our show for today. To discover more fascinating books, films, authors, and events, check out our website at ncreview.com. You can leave comments for us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ncreview. And if you enjoyed our show, I hope you'll tell your friends. So until next week, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>